Turtle, how we doing today? Hello, Matt. What's going on, my friend? Ah, uh, you know, busy day, busy week, really. Ever since the draft, we've uh, we've been busy, but um, wanted to get together, do a little rookie draft recap. Uh, we had our draft in the league on Sunday, this past Sunday. So, before we jump into that, Turtle, what you been up to? Anything fun? No, nah, I've just been running around for work like a crazy person. We've been super busy. We're in our busy season right now, but all is good on, on my end, man. I'm uh, I'm excited to get this uh, draft recap going. You got some merch going, right? You got some uh, some hat samples coming out for uh, me and Rosie soon, right? I just came out with a crazy presentation for all different types of things that we can brand with the Dynasty Drama logo, and it's very exciting. I'm talking crazy trinkets. So once we get that going, we're going to launch the store, and we're just going to keep rocking and rolling. Yeah, some very cool stuff. So the website's still under development. These things aren't overnight, but uh, good progress. We're working on our final rankings. Uh, we got to still do tight end. Mm. Uh, we'll probably cover that in our next uh, pod episode. But... Yeah, you know, once we get the website up, launch, we'll get the, we'll connect it with the store, and there's going to be some cool stuff on the way. Yeah, I'm just hoping we get this invite to the uh, Scott Fishbowl. That was a plug for uh, you guys to invite us because uh, that is definitely the thing that we want to get our name across with. Exactly. So you know, but but also you know, in that similar vein. Some very cool news for for us here at Dynasty Drama. So we uh, we gained entry into you know an industry league that Turtle, you and I are going to be co-managing. So it's an existing Dynasty league. There's 24 people in the league. You know some some really well known folks here. We got JJ Zacharyson uh, in there. He's he's the the late round QB fame. Uh, Jim Sanis, he's, uh, he works at number fire, uh, Britt Devine over at Roto Grinders. He's, um, the commissioner of the league. Uh, who else we got? We got Russ Clay, um, kind of fantasy gurus and elite fantasy HQ. I mean, there's, uh, there's some cool, cool people in this league. So we, we managed to get in. Um, we got an orphan team. We're doing the rookie draft now. It's kind of a slow draft via, um, email and all that. But uh, it's it's pretty cool. We're, we're ready to go in there and, and dominate and, and really get the Dynasty drama name out there, aren't we? Yes, we need to get a quarterback or another quarterback, I should say. Can't really run it with Jalen Hurts, so let's yeah. see what happens. Yeah, so once things settle a bit there, once we got out of the draft, we'll, we'll take a good look at our team, start trading and all that. But uh, really cool, you know, for us to get in there with some industry folks. And uh, we're in the leagues, and, and now we just got to – you know, make some inroads and some friends. Yes, that's exactly what it's about, just making some relationships. But so far, it's been going good. We've been growing the uh, Twitter account pretty pretty well. Um, I'm hoping for some exponential growth here soon. But we're, we're rocking and rolling, and I'm, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this. You know, I don't want to call it an expert, experts league, but, you know, definitely an industry league. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting format. So... You know, and even here on Colin, you know, we're we're getting more subscribers, so it's it's fun. You know, it's great to to, to see the the followers growing and the and all that. And 
and how things are going on on Spotify and Apple Podcasts is great too. So, all right, enough of that. A little bit of housekeeping there, but but fun stuff here at Dynasty Drama. Why don't we jump in, Turtle? We got we had a five round rookie draft that we um, conducted. Like I said, this past Sunday, just the day after the the real life NFL draft ended. And it was exciting, you know, it was exciting to do the research, jump in, and see how the chips kind of fell. So at the 101, I don't think even a week on that there's much debate there, um, but Brees Hall went 101, uh, New York Jets drafted him. What do you think about that pick? I mean, I think it's the clear-cut 101 as of right now. I think there could be um, an argument for a few other guys to be drafted 101, but for the most part... I think Brees has a decent landing spot. I mean, I know Michael Carter is there to take some of the workload in the passing game. But for the most part, I mean, Brees is by far the best athletic profile and the best prospect, I would say, in this whole draft. So I think it's a good pick. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the smart one. It's it's the one where you don't want to outsmart yourself, really, at yeah. this point in time, right? No one's, no one's hurt. It seems like it's going to be uh, Brees kind of coming in and, pushing Michael Carter a little bit out of the picture. So you don't want to get too smart with the 101. And he's got some pretty good draft capital. I mean, he wasn't a first-round pick. First-round picks at the running back position may be a thing of the past. We'll have to see how this next 2023 draft class plays out. But, you know, Najee Harris may be a little bit of an outlier. But he went 204. I mean, that that's right there. And apparently the New York Jets were trying to trade up back into the first round to try to get him. They weren't sure if he was going to fall, and they had their eyes on him. Couldn't do it, but ended up getting their man anyway at the, the real-life 204 fantasy 101. So Jesse made that pick in our league totally. I think it was what he needed to do. Absolutely. So then we had Kenneth Walker come off the board at 102. A little bit of context. This was... This was a uh, a team with a Noah's team. He he needed RB help, so can to kind of understand potentially reaching for Walker. But when you look at current ADP, uh, you see Walker more down what, around the 104, 105. I don't know what you're seeing, Turtle. That's what I'm seeing. So maybe a little bit of a reach, but I guess you know he had to do what he had to do. If you got a running back need, do you do you think Walker is going to be a good player? I think eventually Walker will be a good player. I think the problem is right now that the Seattle um, backfield is pretty crowded. I mean, I know that his competition is Chris Carson and, and Rashad Penny, but Rashad Penny really came onto the scene at the end of last year. So I don't see them not giving him another opportunity. I think it's his backfield to truly lose. He definitely might lose it with his injury history. Um, so I think Kenneth Walker will eventually be next man up. But if I was at the 102, I would have taken one of the elite elite potential potentially elite wide receivers to be honest because i think they just have a longer shelf life and uh they'll make your team better in the long run yeah so when i think about kenneth walker what it reminds me of i i'm gonna throw a name out there i don't want you know i'm not saying it to to go against what you're saying or or overstate anything but it reminds me of javante williams not javante williams the player javante williams the situation yeah. What do I mean by that? Second round rookie, uh, Kenneth Walker checks notes, went 209. So second, high second round. Javante, second round to Denver. He had an established running back with Melvin Gordon. And 
what did you get? You got a solid RB2 from Javante. You got a taste of what could be. You got maybe potential future RB1, but fast forward now. Still not quite content to give Javante the full role. Melvin Gordon comes back, caps the upside. So now you're waiting maybe a full second year, and you'll have to see what happens in the third year with Javante. That, I think, is a very parallel situation to, to Kenneth Walker. I think that's well said. I think that's well said, and I think that that honestly falls into the realm of possibilities for most of these running backs. Yeah. Um, there's a few that I could see making a case for getting instant playing time, but for the most part, I think that these guys are going to uh, be gradually brought into these systems. Yeah, and the, the problem and maybe it's a good problem to have with Kenneth Walker is I see that situation as one that even if he does well, cause Javante did great, right? He, he didn't, he did not make a wrong footed step last season, but they still brought Melvin Gordon back to cap the upside. So Seattle, we know what they like to do. We know it's not out of the realm of possibility. In my opinion, Walker does just fine. Penny does just fine. And you know what? They say, well, Penny didn't suck last year. Let's bring him back on another one-year deal. And that happens, similar to the Melvin Gordon situation. And you're sitting there as the Walker owner in your fantasy league, drafted him high, and you're potentially have to wait till 2024 for that shot at him owning the backfield. And that may or may not come. So Yeah, you're right. And you know the craziest part about the whole situation is that Pete Carroll loves Chris Carson. He's like a Chris Carson truther. So for all we know, Chris Carson is the starting running back in Seattle and 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 Kenneth Walker is in the three hole, you know? So it's like we don't even know what's going to happen until we see what happens. Yeah. I mean, there's some ambiguity there for sure. There's a lot of health concerns between Penny and Carson. So Oh, ton, ton, ton. Yeah, we also got to, you know, admit that it could be week five and they're both IR uh, just with their history and, and, and Walker's alone or Adrian Peterson's back there again. Yeah, you're right. All right. 103. You were talking about those elite wide receivers. First one flies off the board at 103. It's Drake London. First wide receiver off the board in real life. We talked about him on our emergency pod. He went 108 to Atlanta. Do you agree that in rookie drafts, he was the first one off the board in real life? Would he be your first off the board? Um, if you had your choice of the, upside elite potential wide receivers i think i'd be in a predicament but i don't think you can go wrong with uh with drake london at the 103 just because of his um you know his body size and his skill set i think he's a perfect x receiver for the falcons right now i mean i don't i don't trust uh marcus mario to throw him the ball so hopefully that'll change but i think he's a great pick so you can go wrong so let's take a step back then you got drake london Traylon burks Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams. Do, do we agree that those are the the the, the five before there's a, a tier break off of them, or, or would you add anyone else into that? Uh, no, that that is that is correct. Now within that, would you say that there's uh, is there one or two tiers within that? Do you say Drake is in his own tier, or is Drake and someone else in a tier above those other three, or are they all just five pick and choose between them? Man, that's so tough because I mean. I'm never going to be the one to draft off of situation alone, but I think Traylon Burks, like I think that he has a real shot at becoming the alpha overnight. 
You know, that that's just because A.J. Brown's gone. He doesn't have to compete with him. I mean, Robert Woods is coming off of an injury. So that just really leaves Traylon Burks to eat up targets. I, I can't say the same for Drake London. I can't say the same for Jameis Williams, who's coming off of an ACL. I can't say the same for Garrett Wilson, since they have Elijah Moore, who's been eating already. And then Chris Olave, we don't even know what's going to happen with them Saints. Is Jameis even their quarterback? Who knows? Yeah. So taking it another way, then. Uh, because these are in our rookie draft, the five picks in a row, you got Drake London catching passes from either Desmond Ritter or Marcus Mariota, Traylon Burks with Tannehill, Jamison Williams with Jared Goff, as far as we know, rehabbing from his ACL, Garrett Wilson with Zach Wilson, and Chris Olave with, with Jameis Winston. So I, again, I ask you, if we're looking for, for year one impact, what rookie has the best chance of succeeding year one? with the QB that they're tied to not maybe so much the situation um, of the other wide receiver competition, but who's getting the best quality balls thrown thrown to them. I I, I think it's gotta be Burks. Yeah. You think so? I think it's gotta be. I mean, Tannehill's an at least an established quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he was able to carry uh, AJ Brown um, last year a little bit. I mean, he didn't play all, all the games, but he still was able to pop just a bit. I mean, I think that's really the only one that I have any sort of trust in. Yeah, and and you're right. So Tannehill, I'm I'm not crazy about him, but I will say the the play action pass that comes off of Derrick Henry uh, being there, being healthy, and scaring defenses really fits Tannehill's skill set. He can make a wide receiver very dangerous once they set up the play action. We saw Derrick Henry get hurt. And yeah, you're right. Like it was very hard for Tannehill to support even a singular wide receiver last year. LB AJ Brown was in and out of the lineup. But if Henry's there and can set up the play action effectively, Traylon Burks could definitely. Um, I would say after that, Chris Olave is a little bit of a sneaker here for me. Yeah, you've been saying um, that a lot. I, I got no shares of him, um, so there's there's nothing for me to gain by this other than maybe jacking up his price in our particular fantasy league uh, and making him even more unattainable. But when I just look at the brass tacks of the situation, I, he's Winston will fling it around, and I do not know what Michael Thomas amounts to whatsoever. Um, we've not seen him play, and I don't think we should count on him or guarantee any sort of reasonable playing time from him yeah so, and their, their next best wide receiver is Marquez Callaway you know so it's like it you're right his opportunity is there so as long as Jameis is slinging the ball around I I, I think that he definitely does have some sneaky upside to uh, make an immediate impact okay so so again picks 1.3 through 1.7 went in order Drake London to Brian Braylon Burks to Liam Jamison Williams to Tim Garrett Wilson to Brian, who had two picks there. And again, another pick for Tim, Chris Olave. So do you, looking at that, knowing who else was on the board, you know, you a few running backs and then a few of the other wide receivers, um, regardless of the order, do you agree that those were the next five logical rookie picks after the first two RBs went off the board and those five were sitting there? I think it's spot on. But with that being said, if one of the teams before – who drafted those four, five guys that we just mentioned needed a quarterback. I think Pickett could have went off the board. Yeah. And if you were, what if you were in the one one Oh five hole, you were Tim, you had Jamison Williams, Garrett Wilson and Olave on the board. He went Jamison Williams. 
would you have gone Wilson there over Williams and Olave, or or, or do you like Jamison? No, I, I like Jameson Williams. I think he's going to be a, a very good player in the NFL. I mean, I, I think once Goff leaves, he definitely has an, a chance to become an alpha receiver. Yeah, and you might need to call this first season a mulligan for Jameson. Um, I got to tell you, Turd, I don't know if you've, if you've read anything, but um, have you heard any of those kind of whispers that maybe Williams is not taking his ACL rehab as seriously as he should be? I haven't heard that, but I appreciate you telling me. So that's definitely not a good sign to hear. Yeah, so I was I was checking into you know uh, a few of these players, you know, putting my notes down and, and seeing if I could find any tidbits. And you know, I'm only scrolling search engine optimization the first few articles here because there's a lot of players to cover. And uh, that was that was a recent story I saw where, and it's funny because we were even in the chat, we were kind of uh, in our league chat, we were having some jokes about how unhappy he looked right at his Lions introduction, um, him and James Cook being the unhappy millionaires, uh, just not looking happy. And then next day I kind of see that article that, yeah, and, and again, there it's just whispers and, and, and rumors, but it's not a good one. You know, you kind of might want to listen to the negative noises a little bit more than the positive ones at this point. You know, for example, taking rookies aside last week, obviously it was a a big negative for Kadarius Toney. And then this week, you know, Brian Dable saying, oh, yeah, like, I love KT. He's he's picking up the playbook quick and all that. And it's like, do those two things really balance out? Uh, Which one's BS? Which one's not? It's like, it's hard to interpret that. But for a rookie who's come in and done no wrong, who just got drafted high, Jameson Williams with 112, to hear that from you know the local media is like huh that makes you kind of sit back and think a little bit so we'll have to see how that plays out for tim he got williams and olave sandwich around garrett wilson um so only time will tell if there's any regret there you're right at that point bringing it back to what you said we are a super flex league Corey was on the clock he went kenny pickett and that's just what he did was a complete value pick. I mean, Corey has Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. He does not need Kenny Pickett on his team. It was a smart pickup by him because now he has some, he's got some collateral where he can really kind of just wave it in front of people and get a nice big haul for Kenny Pickett, who's probably going to be the only starting quarterback in the uh, draft right off the bat. Yeah, or one of his other guys, right? I mean, he's got Josh Allen, who I don't know if he moves, but if you got Kyler Murray, and he had Davis Mills too. So to give you context, as you think about drafts in your league, this was a manager, he just won the past year's championship, so knows what he's doing, and has three QBs, one of them being Davis Mills. So, you know, I can't be in his brain. Was he looking at one eye in the future and maybe thinking Davis Mills has a one-year leash in, in Houston or whatnot and is trying to backfill. But granted, for 2022, he was set at QB, even with a third. Um, Pickett was on the board, and he drafted him over the likes of, you know, Dotson, Sky Moore, um, Watson, th- those sort of sort of fellas. So um, goes to show you in, in Superflex, QBs are very valuable. And uh, we'll see more uh, QBs right around the, uh, the, the one-two turn. Uh, into the second round so I, I like the picket pick any any final things on do you think he beats out Trubisky for the week one start I don't think 
I don't maybe, maybe. I, I can't say. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, maybe he does. I mean, why would they take him so 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 early? Yeah, Kenny um, Pickett, first round pick. He went at the one twenty real life. Those guys not guaranteed. if you're outside of the top ten, you're not really guaranteed to start. Um, no. we saw Mac Jones start. We saw Justin Fields not start. It was a little Andy Dalton two to four week type situation. That could be a Kenny Pickett. Trubisky's out there for a few games, two to four, to the bye week, whatever. But you got to think, he's starting games at some point. Yeah, I think he will be. Yeah, so it might not be a Trey Lance situation. It might be more of a Justin Fields situation with Kenny Pickett going later in the first, but still, only first-round pick. Mm. Okay, so um, and only first or second-round pick, I should say, at the QB position. Yeah, crazy. Next. Next pick at the 109 went Sky Moore. So if you're sitting there, this is a rebuilding team. Um, he can afford to take on a running back look to develop. He can take on a wide receiver looking to develop or even a QB because this year is a complete rebuild for for this team. Rozier, who was on the clock, wrote, we call him Rosie. Uh, he went Sky Moore. He's got Juju Smith-Schuster on the team, but... Not not including assets you already have. Do you like Sky Moore at 109 if you're in a rebuild? Yeah, I, I do. I think he's gonna have uh, he's gonna have good upside. I mean, he's in one of the best offenses in the NFL. So how could you really go wrong with him? He is tied to one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL at this moment in time. So yep. he he's got a he's got a really good athletic profile as well. So we'll see what he can do. We'll see if he gets on the field. I'm not sure if he's gonna if he's gonna overtake Juju or. I mean, who who else they got on the Chiefs right now? They got That's Valdez, crazy. Scantling, yeah, got- Scanling. I mean, I guess Scanling's going to start. That that Chiefs team's kind of a mess. at wide receiver, so maybe Sky Moore can they sneak into Justin- that start, starting lineup. Yeah, they signed Justin Ross. They got Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman. I mean, you can discount some of these names. I'm saying, but they signed Justin Ross to the EFA. There's players. I mean, there's there's players there in, in Kansas City. But, yeah, I mean, Sky Moore, real life, drafted at the two 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 position, tied to Patrick Mahomes, as you said. I mean, that ain't bad. No, that's not bad at all. All right, swinging back to the 110, this was the same manager, RB, very, very RB needy, who drafted Kenneth Walker at the 102. Noah went Isaiah Spiller at 110. To me, man, that was a reach. You're most likely getting a very, very high upside handcuff in kind of the mold of Alexander Madison. Um, not quite standalone value. I don't think like Kareem Hunt, so to speak, um, as, a, as that kind of value, not playable like as a flex. At least from my point of view, as we sit here in May, opinion subject to change. But Isaiah Spillett to me, Awesome if Austin Eckler goes down, but until then, not sure what value he kind of holds. What, what do you think about Spiller? Was that a reach? Yeah, that was a reach. I mean, honestly, if he really needed a, a running back bad, he should have just taken the guy who came off the board next, which was James Cook, because at least you know James Cook's going to be in an offense where they're going to need him. Uh-huh. They really only have Singletary and Moss, so... Uh, if I was going to reach on on a running back, because I genuinely don't know if if James Cook belongs in the fir- James Cook belongs in the first round which that in turn means Spiller definitely doesn't belong in the first round. So, yeah, that, that, that's what I would have done. I would have taken Cook. Yeah, so, I mean, that was tough. That was, that was tough. He passed up on, on Cook and Damian Pierce, who might have, and Rashard White, who might have some path to, to touches over Spiller. 
But you never know. If one injury happens, he, like I said, it's like having Madison. You know, if the guy in front of you goes down, you've got a guy who potentially has now the entire backfield. Absolutely. We've, uh, we've seen Larry Roundtree. Justin those, Jackson. Yeah, who I don't even believe is with the team. Josh Kelly, the, that type of mold, th- that's not a threat. Um, it would be Spiller or, or Bust at that point. So Jackson still hasn't re-signed, huh? I do not believe so. That's crazy. I do not believe so. Um, James Cook, as you said, went at the 111. That's to, to Liam, who was, who was looking for some RB help there. He was kind of getting uh, maybe some bad vibes with the whole Antonio Gibson situation that he had and was looking for, hey, I need reinforcements of the running back position. Made a decision to go James Cook, and we're seeing that. We're seeing that ADP of Cook elevated to the back end of the first round. I'm not sure he's got more than a satellite role in this um, Buffalo offense, and that's not coming from me. That's coming directly from the general manager who has been quoted as saying, yeah, he's our our, uh, yards after after catch. We want to give Josh Allen a weapon. Um, Yeah, he could probably handle some work if we want to give it, but we really see him in the J.D. McKissick mold. As you guys know, we try to get McKissick. And um, we thought Cook could kind of fill that role. So to me, at least we're talking year one. He's going to be pigeonholed to to catching catching balls. Well, what do you think beyond that? You know, if, if Singletary goes down, is the whole pie James Cook, or is he just not the size to be able to handle that NFL workload, regardless of injuries in front of him? I, I don't know, but I'm sure that the uh, I'm sure that the Bills front office is telling this guy to put on a, a couple of pounds of muscle. To be honest with you. Um, yeah. I'm sure that's one of the main goals to keep your speed, keep your exact speed, but gain some muscle because, you know, he is tied. He he does have he does have Cook blood in him. So we we've seen what Dalvin can do. So the possibility that James Cook becomes a stud isn't isn't a zero chance. Not either own possibility. He was the third RB off the board in real life. You're right. Um, he's got a very good uh, running back uh, brother. Uh, we'll hear that, you know, for the rest of our lives or until the Cooks brothers retire. But what you stated is extremely hard to do. To gain weight, to gain muscle and maintain speed is almost a, it's almost an impossible task, especially at the RB position when you hear so-and-so has bulked up or added this much pounds of muscle and all that sort of stuff. It's, you worry about them sacrificing speed at that. So it's, it's something we're going to have to see how it plays out. But yeah, I mean, you might be right. They might be telling them, hey, you know, if you want to survive at this level, we do need you to bulk up. We'll have to see when, when play hits the field what that sacrifice is. Yeah, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. So that was uh, that was Liam's second pick of the first round before he went Burks, and you were heaping high praise on, on Burks. Um, it sounds like you love him, and, and I think he's got upside there, too, in that play-action offense. So uh, then he went Cook at 111, and then we had a big trade on our hands, folks. Turtle, you got involved. You didn't have any early picks. You said, screw that. Your guy was still sitting there who you had your eyes on, apparently. He's there at the 112. You made a big move. Jesse was on the clock. You traded with him all the way up from either the third or fourth round. Tell us about the trade you sent. Tell us what was involved and in, in, in what you got with the 112 and then who you took with the 112. Yeah, I, I saw value and I pounced. So... A little quick rundown. I have Aaron Rodgers as one of my my quarterbacks. So when I saw the board and I saw that no one was taking a shot on Christian Watson and he was going to get to that 112, I immediately texted Jesse and I said, all right, 
here's what I'm offering. I said, I will give you Saquon and Saquon's backup, Brita. If you give me Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, and the 112. Mm -hmm. And he sat there for a second and he's like, "Ah, I don't know, I don't know. About a minute later, he texted back. He said, screw it. Let's Let's do it. And I said, all right. I said, all right, let's do it. I think it was a smart move on my part because it gave me another depth piece. I didn't lose too much as far as my running back room because Josh Jacobs finished as RB11 last year. And, you know, I I gave up Saquon, who's had significant injury history. I do think that this is the year Saquon pops. Unfortunately, I still think that. But I was able to get Christian Watson and have now the Aaron Rodgers Christian Watson stack on the hope that these guys will develop a huge rapport and Christian Watson won't drop the ball and be a stud. Yeah. And he's got the draft capital. He was the, they traded up. They went and got him at the two Oh two. And in real life, he was the first offensive player off the board in the second round. Aaron Rodgers got a weapon and quite frankly, there's not a whole lot of competition in that Green Bay wide receiver room. So Watson's going to have all the chances in the world. Turtle, you know he's got a he's got a very good relative athletic score, one of the highest yeah. there, right? One of the highest, yeah. It was it's pretty insane how he scored on the uh, Raz charts. The thing is, I mean, he he does come from a, a uh, he comes from the FBS, so it's a much lower level of football. So it's a, that's a little bit scary, but you know because of his athleticism. And because of the quarterback he's tied to, I figured it's worth a shot because, you know, he he's going to get into the game right away as long as I, – I actually nicknamed him the project in Sleeper. Um, I hope that he proves me wrong and isn't the project and can just be, be put right in there and, and start dominating. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, when you look at it, you got Josh Jacobs and Christian Watson – for Saquon Barkley. I mean, when you take away the picks and you insert the players' names, I think I think it's a very palatable trade, and, and I, I hope it works out for, for both of you, especially, like you said. I think Saquon needs to pop in order for that trade to, to, to work out for Jesse because if he could have had Watson and Jacobs, he might be looking at it in, in a few years saying, damn, I gave up Christian Watson. Yeah. So then we turn into round two. And super flex, so QBs uh, flew off the board back-to-back here. Um, Timmy, who's one eye on restocking the, the kind of cavalry and one eye on competing, went Malik Willis, who's a, a bit of a project himself, but may have a path to starting, depending on how Tannehill plays out over the next one year or two, um, and may have some upside there. But he was Malik was a third-round QB. Um, he was drafted at the 322. That's not great draft capital. That doesn't insure you anything. Uh, in the NFL, if you're even a second-round QB, you're not insured anything. You're not guaranteed anything. Could be a career backup. But I think Malik Willis was worth a dart throw. Here he went at the 201 over some other guys who were on the board. A little bit of a reach, Turtle? Or, or because it's super flex, you're happy kind of taking on a project like that? I mean, it's tough we all felt very bad for Malik Willis because I mean, pretty much every analyst, uh, every, every well-known analyst was saying Malik was a top 10 pick for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then we all start seeing him fall and fall and fall and fall. And now he doesn't have draft before the NFL draft. He was going at the one Oh two after Brees Hall. 
Yeah, that's insane. The 102. I, I'm so glad we don't <laughs> do that. Well, um, would, but everyone out there, what are you doing? If that is your league, talk to your commissioner. That is just wrong. Anyways, so Malik Willis here at the 201. He's a project. The, the next guy at the 2-2, Desmond Ritter. Maybe also a project, but kind of a sneaky little path to playing time. Maybe even easier path than, than Kenny Pickett. He's got Marcus Mariota in front of him. What do you think of this guy from Cincinnati? Yeah, I mean, I think that that is a great landing spot for him because they're starting to build a nice little team around Atlanta. Um, I think the main the main concern with Ritter is his uh, is his accuracy. So if he can get that under control, I don't think Marcus Mariota is too hard of a guy to pass on the depth chart. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. Um, Desmond Ritter in real life, he was the second QB off the board um, when Malik Willis was still there. Atlanta um, selected Desmond Ritter at the 310, which was 12 spots ahead of where uh, Malik ended up going. So Desmond Ritter, the QB2 of this past draft class, Mikey gets him at the 2-2 in our league. Uh, That led to Jay at the 2-3 selecting Damian Pierce, who is uh, a fourth-round RB, if I'm not mistaken. He went at the 4-2, so day three pick at the RB position. We know what happens there. You could you could have a great season, um, but you're not assured of anything uh, being that late of a pick. We just recall back to James Robinson, what he did his rookie season. You could be the you could be a top twelve RB, and uh, they might come out and draft a first round pick, and that's exactly what the Jaguars did with Travis Etienne the following year. So um, these later round picks, they're not assured anything, but he was a high four. And Houston has a super open backfield, so there could be a re- very realistic path to week one value for Damian Pierce. Turtle, what do you think about that? You got Marlon Mack. Um, you think he's going to hold off the rookie, or you think it's going to be more of a timeshare, or is this going to be Pierce ultimately? Let's put it this way. Jay, the guy who got him in our league, is so fired up to get him. I've been trying to trade him. Marlon Mack so that he owns the whole Texans backfield and he will just not do it for whatever reason. And then I said, all right, so then just give me Damian Pierce and I'll pay up for what you want for what you want. And he won't give me him. So it's like, I I, I'm lost here. It's like, I don't want to just own that one piece of the backfield and it's not the good piece. I mean, Marlon Mack could have a good year. I hope that he's hungry. I hope that he bounces back. But like you said, Damian Pierce definitely has a clear path to getting some touches in that offense. Yeah, and we know there's a lot of tread on the tires. He didn't get a lot of work in college. There was context there. There was a lot of finger-pointing at the coaches. They could be inept, this or that. But you never know. Um, Damian Pierce was there for a while, never established himself as a as a big carry RB. Does that mean he's got tread on the tires, or does it just mean he's going to be a limited part at the at the professional level? We'll, we'll have to see. Now, I was on the board for the next three picks. I was fully expecting Damian Pierce to drop to me, and my draft strategy because fully. Expected- Matt, you're cutting out, my boy. Um, so I'm there sitting on the board, and, and I have um, 
a lot of wide receivers available for me and Rashad White. So I said, damn, I'm going to abandon the RB strategy, and I ended up going three wide receivers in a row, believe it or not. I went Jahan Dotson at 2-4, George Pickens at 2-5, and then John Mechie at 2-6. Um, so, Turtle, I'll toss it over to you. Which of those three are you a bigger fan of? I'm a Pickens fan. I like Pickens the best out of all of them. I know that Dotson got the the uh, best draft capital and he was chosen the earliest, but I think Pickens is an absolute dog. And from seeing from seeing his uh, his uh, his draft video where he he was just in front of the TV, I was just like, oh my god, that guy is a bad man. If I didn't have Deontay, I would have made that that trade with you. We'll put it that way. So what uh, you know? What, what's up with that video? What was he wearing? Was he wearing like <laughs> a, a Kadarius Tony, like uh, Jalen Ramsey, like full head shield there? Yeah, it was a full head shield. The guy's a savage. We'll put it that way. I mean, I I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I looked at that. I, I couldn't tell if that guy was forty years old, fifty years old, or then it turns out that was actually George Pickens. So, but I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want to have to guard that guy. That guy is. He he was a scary man. He's a scary man, and he he's got the talent. So it's like, man. And the craziest part is that the the Pittsburgh Steelers never miss on wide receivers. So it's they like, do not, and they went and they grabbed themselves a potential real real dog um, dog formable dog and potential nfl dog now before we jumped on the air i texted you this little blurb um roto world put out on deontay johnson and there was some expectation early expectations or dock connecting that the steelers are unlikely to re-sign uh contract year wide receiver deontay johnson after this season you're the deontay johnson owner you like pickens I don't think Deontay Johnson walking is the worst thing in the world because he's got a 50-50 chance of upgrading. I view the Steelers' QB situation as direct middle of the pack of the NFL right now. you got a rookie. Um, ben Roethlisberger was pretty bad last year, but still elevated um, Deontay Johnson to an extent. So I'd say you know half the league is worse at the QB situation, half the league is better. So you're kind of flipping the coin if he goes to a better situation as he chases the dollars. Bringing it back to Pickens, or if you want to talk a little bit about about what you think is best for Deontay, beyond this one-year play of, of him kind of going into a very stable situation, he might be asked to be the number one. If Claypool has kind of proved to us he might not be capable of being that number one, Pickens could be asked to be the, the Steelers wide receiver one his sophomore season. And he's fallen to me at the two five. Is that is that egregious? Should he have gone earlier in this draft? I think as it stands now, um, where he he was landing, he could he could have definitely been taken in front of maybe Watson, maybe James Cook, Willis, Ritter, Pierce, and even Dotson. Yeah, I think I think Pickens I think Pickens could have been picked up earlier just because of what we know about how the Steelers draft wide receivers. We saw what he did in college. The guys an animal and with the whole uh Deontay contract situation yeah he has a very very clear path to becoming one of the main guys in Pittsburgh do I think he'll be the number one next year maybe we'll see what Claypool does but um Pickens is going to be a good NFL player yeah and we'll see where they play him right Deontay Johnson is not exclusively in the slot he he plays everywhere and and Claypool is predominantly 
You know what? I, I shouldn't say predominantly outside. Claypool plays in the slot a lot more than I than I thought when I looked into the advanced analytics of that field. So we'll see if if Pickens is asked to go downfield or if he's going to get more lower uh, A dot routes. We'll have to see. Now switching it off to the player I took for Pickens, Jahan Dotson fell to me, and I think there's a lot of disrespect on Jahan Dotson's name. I'm not sure why, but he was. He was up there, guys. He was the fifth. We we were talking about the big five wide receivers before in the first round. He was the fifth wide receiver ahead of Traylon Burks off the board in the real-life NFL draft. He went at the 16th overall pick to Washington. I don't know why the community is down on him. Whatever. Um, one man's trash. I, I grabbed him at the 2-4, Jahan Dotson. We'll see if it's another situation like Deonta. Is Terry on the move next year? Um, but, but in your opinion turtle why do you think Dotson's there in the you know the mid to early second round and he's not going higher considering his real world draft capital I think it's because of situation I think that people see that the commanders aren't really a great organization and they're probably just looking at it like oh man these guys just drafted another wide receiver um they already have Terry so people are probably thinking oh he's not going to see the field which can't be further from the truth. Yeah, no, it can't be further from the truth. And and Jahan Dotson's one of the most sure-handed wide receivers in the whole draft. So it's like, we'll I'll see what happens. I think I think you're right. I think you look at the situation. You you say Washington's a crap franchise. Wentz, uh, like sh- you know, let let Desmond Ritter, let let Matt Corral, let Sam Howell, uh, who's actually the backup. I should have went with Sam Howell. Um, first there, but let one of these second tier rookie QBs play over over Carson Wentz. I'm done, and I'm sick of seeing Carson Wentz. That, that's what the NFL fan base and fantasy community, I think, is saying. And then you're right; you got Terry McLaurin there, who is consistently, you know, inconsistent in his game to game. But at the end of the season, it's like, oh, he's got a thousand yards or close yeah. to a thousand yards and a handful of touchdowns. That's what I expect. So, what's left for Dotson in an offense like that? Yeah, I mean, that that's one way to look at it. Uh, but the other way to look at it is that that's that's one outcome with a certain percentage, and then there's another outcome where, of all these wide receivers, Dotson has an equal chance to walk on there and say, you know what, I'm the guy. Yeah. Um, it, it might be a lower percentage, but because you know Terry is a fair wide receiver, but but I don't think Terry is is uh, an elite wide receiver. Um, he's certainly, I don't think, going to get the money Deontay Johnson gets in free agency um, if he resigns. He's not as good as Deontay in fantasy or in real life. But uh, you know, Dotson, I think, I think we also need to say NFL franchises putting that type of draft capital in it. We on the fantasy community might need to put a little more weight. Dotson deserves back of the half of the first round. You know. Draft capital, you know, I put him right up there with between Sky Moore and Christian Watson. Uh, we need to be considering him there as a community. Yeah, I don't think he should have felt fallen that much. I really don't. And I saw a couple of things on Twitter recently saying that um, it, I don't know what it's called, like the terminology for it, but it's basically like people were thinking that Josh Dotson. Remember the guy Josh Dotson? Dotson, yeah. Dotson and Jahan Dotson. People were getting their names mixed up, so people were probably like in their <laughs> brains thinking, "Oh, I'm driving the next Josh Dotson, who's never done damn diddly in the NFL." Yeah, he didn't do he didn't do damn diddly. You're right. <laughs> uh, and then my last pick in that little wide receiver spree was Johnny Mechie, 
interesting because of all these guys, Washington traded down and selected Dodson, but on the other side of it, Houston traded up to select Mechie. I always like, you know, and it might just be a shortcoming of mine, I always like when a team trades up and gets there. They, that shows that they wanted that guy. And that's the closest thing you can see for a team wanting someone than staying. It, 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 to me, it even holds a little more weight than, oh, okay, I stood stood pat and took this guy at this, at this. If you traded up and got him, it just shows, like, you wanted him. You didn't want to risk him falling into someone else's hands. So, you know, that might actually mean nothing, but it could also be some small value as you calculate these guys and yeah. or if you have a decision on your hands of this guy or the other one. Yeah, all I could say about Mechie is bad situation now. Next year yeah. might not be a bad situation. Yeah, might not be. And honestly, he's got the ACL. Just like um, Jamison Williams, I think it was uh, – he was an, Mechie, an Alabama guy. Great, see, great season. Over – a thousand yards, a ton of touchdowns. Great, great, great season. Blows the ACL in, in um, that was the SEC championship game, I believe. Um, so he didn't even make the national championship where Jamison, you know, um, blew his. So he's a few weeks ahead of Jamison. It could be a mulligan season for him, but I think it was a nice, nice uh, pickup for a dynasty. You know, I don't think you're picking up Mechie and redraft, but in dynasty, I liked him where he where he went. I like it too. I do. So let's cut into the back half of the second round. You had Rashad White. Liam grabbed him. So again, Liam hunting for RBs. He went James Cook at the 111. His next pick on the clock, he goes Rashad White. Couldn't believe that he felt him. What do you think about Rashad White? Because I don't really see a path to playing time for Rashad White unless Leonard Fournette falls down. Or alternatively, do you think this is a James Cook situation? Do you think this is Tampa Bay saying... You know, we want to go a little bit easier on Fournette's workload. We don't need him to... I think Fournette had the most catches of all RBs last year, if I'm not mistaken, Turtle, if you want to... He, had to, have, he had to have been close. I don't know off the top of my head, but he had yeah. to have been close. So I'll throw it over to you. Rashad White went at the 327 in real life, so third round um, RB. We love day two RBs, um, so he, he was in that category. But, you know, what do you, th- what do you think his role is going to be in this offense? Yeah, I mean... He was one of the better um, pass-catching running backs coming into this draft. So, like you said, he definitely could be coming in to ease Fournette's workload. Um, He's tied to Tom Brady, so it can't be a bad thing. If he sneaks his way onto the field and and has some big playability, I think he'll he'll stay on the field. Yeah. I was a little off. Leonard Fournette, 69 receptions last year, but that's a crap ton of receptions. Yeah, it's a lot. Who did lead the league? Who did lead the league? You're not, you're not going to want to hear who led the league. One, Najee Harris. Oh, Najee, 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 yeah. 74 receptions for Najee, 70 for Eckler, 69 for Leonard Fournette. So, yeah, it's pretty great, though. That, awesome, right? So even if he cuts it, you know, by down to 40 and Rashad White gets all, gets a bunch more and fills the Giovanni Bernard role and all that, I don't know what he's going to be between the tackles. I was kind of out myself on Rashad White, Um when I started looking into him as a in his profile as a player, but I think he's got a good pair of mitts. But I went a different direction with my personal RBs. But but who knows? We'll we'll, we'll kind of see how it plays out. I think the path to him being a potential impact player is around the same level as Isaiah Spiller, James Cook, Damian Pierce, Walker, and Hall, who already went before this. I think have clearer paths to getting on the field. That makes sense. 
So then we had um, David Bell at the 2-8. Nice little pickup to Cleveland. Seems like a little bit of a Jarvis Landry type guy. What do you think, Turtle? I think he's the Purdue Boilermaker here, David Bell. Yeah, I mean, I think he has one of the uh, clearest pathways to immediate production. He really does. And because you know who's their who's their next best who's their next best wide receiver? DPJ and Anthony Schwartz. You're I mean, after Cooper, you're talking. Yeah, after Amari, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got to be right. Uh, David Bell went at the three three five. He was a compensatory third round pick to Cleveland, but you know, I I gotta agree with you when you when you stack him up against these other names and. It, Granted, there's some free agents rolling around, right? Your boy, Will Fuller, might land with his old QB, Deshaun, and all that. But looking at it now, he's got a pretty clear path to being, you know, getting reps as a rookie on the field with potentially tied to a very, very good quarterback. Yeah, we'll see if Deshaun Watson. I mean, I put out a poll today about Deshaun uh-huh. Watson, and you know what I said? I thought it was pretty funny. It was it was pretty, it was pretty comical. I said, was he going to get on, on six games or under uh, full season? Or a Trevor Bauer type suspension, and what we think is, I think it's going to be six games or under. Yeah, the Trevor Bauer timeout. I, I think it's going to be six or under. We'll have to see. Was that the consensus on the poll? It was. It was. It was. No one want. No one took the uh, Trevor Bauer answer, which makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, we had uh, Tyler Algier. He went at the two nine. Um, obviously, a very very open backfield down in Atlanta. But they're at the same time, it's open for the taking, but there are names there. You got Patterson, you got Damian Williams, they cut Mike Davis, you got Tyler Algier. What, what do you think about this Algier guy? This is fifth round draft capital. He went at the 508 to Atlanta. He went 2 9 in this and, draft. Yeah, he's another guy that Jay is just absolutely thrilled about. He just couldn't be happier. But I, I, don't, I don't see him making an immediate impact. I mean, I think that it's. Cordero's backfield to lose. I know that they just let Mike Davis go. Um, so maybe the opportunity is there, but I'm hoping not. I'm just hoping that Jay's team doesn't pick up two running backs that are going to have immediate value. Let's put it that way. <laughs> the Houston RB and the Atlanta RB. Well, yeah, the very bad situations, but you never know, man. Volume, volume wins championships. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But we got Drake London and, and Kyle Pitts who also need volume in that in that field. And if they're not on the field for sustained drives because they suck, we'll have to see. <laughs> you're right. Well, I, you know, and what kind of offense can, can Mariota and Ritter support? We'll have to see. Yep. Jalen Tolbert, does he walk on? Is he the wide receiver three now for Dallas? Corey took him at the 210. Um, you got Gallup coming back from the ACL. Uh, Cooper gone, C.D. Lamb the clear one. Does Tober walk on and get on the field with the, with Gallup kind of uh, on the side? Does he, he Is he playing right away? I mean, we're going to have to see what Gallup does, if he's going to be able to come back week one. If not, I mean, they're going to have to sneak Tolbert in there because they don't have Cedric Wilson anymore. He, he might be the guy right off the bat. Yeah, and, and he profiles, but he's – he profiles nice for that that offense. It's a different type of player. Big guy, good radius, can jump. Pretty interesting prospect. We'll have to see how he plays out. Draft capital wise, where did he go? He went at the three two four, so third round um, draft capital for uh, Jalen Tolbert. Yeah, and he played on a much smaller sized uh, D one program. He played for South Alabama, but like for for what he did there, it's pretty impressive. I mean. 
for the whole for his three years that he was there, he had thirty eight, almost thirty five or almost thirty nine um, of the receiving market share, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot for one guy. Again, smaller school, you want to see him dominate in that smaller school situation, but you can't hold it against him when you say, I want to see him dominate, and he dominates, right? So it's like, okay, give him the credit. Yeah. Next time, tough, tough to really see this pick happen. It was a Kyron Williams drafted at the fifth round, 21st overall in real life, goes at the 211 with, I think, a lot of talent on the board. Rosie took another. RB. I tried to look at this from a few different angles, see who was else was in that backfield with Sony Michelle moved on. But I mean, Kyron Williams still behind Akers and Daryl Henderson off the bat. Even if Henderson's gone next year, um, you got to think Akers is still around. I don't really see a path for for Kyron Williams. I don't. I don't know how much time we need to spend on this pick. No, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I think low upside, and now watch him actually blow up because we're we're putting so much disrespect on his name. I mean, it's possible. Anything's possible. I mean, after these past couple of years with the uh, undrafted free agents, I mean, I know you know anything's possible. Yeah, let let's stop the Kyron hate. There, he got so much of it. I mean, he's got a family too. Um, yeah, he does. Next uh, to close out the second round at the two twelve was Trey McBride. Top. Tight end in the in the class, a pretty high draft pick for a tight end. He went at the two two three in real life. He went at the two twelve here. Uh, goes into a kind of weird situation behind Zach Ertz, but then again, tight ends take a few years to develop. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's really my style that I want to spend a, a draft pick on a tight end who I'm not really expecting much contributions from. But if you're going to take a guy uh, uh, a flyer on a guy, you might as well take a flyer on a guy who catches passes first and block second at the tight end position. And that's what Trey McBride profiles to be. What do you got to add to that, Turtle? Yeah, I don't actually hate the pick. We're, we're in a tight end premium league. Zach Ertz is almost 30. What is he, almost 33 at this point? Yeah. 32. I think he might be turning 33 this year. Um, so, you know, it's really not a terrible pick. I mean, I don't see how many more years Ertz is going to play, maybe two. Yeah. Two, three. Um, and I think Trey McBride has the makings to be a very good uh, tight end in this league. So we shall see. He's tied to a good Cardinals offense. Um, so I guess anything's possible. You know, he, he, he's you definitely got, worth he's definitely worth the two one two. Yeah. And you got you got Hopkins out, like we said. So there's certainly some targets to go around. We'll see if uh, the rookie can get on and establish himself early. All right, switching into the third round, and we're going to speed it up. We want to spend a little bit more time on the, the second, first and second round um, picks. We'll go a little bit quicker here. And talk about being excited about a pick, Terrell. I don't know if, if you know a guy more excited about uh, Alabama running back Brian Robinson Jr. than I am, um, especially with how the past few days have played out, right? It's like he got drafted in the third round. I almost jumped up out of my seat because I had traded away Gibson. I was I had this pit, this feeling in the pit of my stomach that they were going to do something stupid like this. They didn't need a draft running back. You have freaking Antonio Gibson, and you got a lot of holes in your offense and defense. But this is the kind of franchise that Washington is. They went and spent a premium pick, a third-round pick, on a running back. Again, like we were saying, we want to see that day-two capital in our running backs. And here you go. Uh, a few days later, um, you got... Rivera saying, "Yeah, he brings the hammer on the on the first down on the you know the early downs, and, and Antonio has this mix up slasher type style that we can turn around on on later downs with, and you're kind of you're trying to 
parse through that like what is he doing well like what kind of coach speak is that did he just give brian robinson the early down role mckissick still there what does that mean for gibson and then today it comes out he's a few days later now he's saying oh the gibson and, and robinson remind me a lot of jonathan stewart and d'angelo williams because you know from his carolina days which was a one-two punch certainly again reinforcing the potential cap ceiling that antonio gibson holds and for me, picking a guy in the third round that I was planning to pick in the middle of the second, and he's still there, man, I was beyond happy when Kyron Williams went at the 211, allowing Brian Robinson to fall to me. What do you think about this new Washington running back? We're going to see, man. I, I don't know. I don't understand why they won't give Antonio Gibson a full workload. I do not fathom it. I don't understand it. We've seen what he can do. But Robinson, good. He's going to be a bruiser at the next level, and he's got the size to be a three-down back of the NFL. So we shall see. I I know that your um, your take on the whole Gibson situation is that they're going to move him to the slot or move him around the offense to become a gadget-type player. But I still think the man deserves a shot at at least getting a full workload. Yeah. yeah. I don't get it. it. I've not been wrong about the Antonio Gibson situation. I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back with that. I just, no, you haven't. You haven't. I agree with you. You have not been wrong. You traded him right at the perfect time. Now he's going to be stuck on the team he's on now. No one's going to trade for him. Uh, not at the value that you'd hope to recoup. Yeah, exactly. If he goes out to you, Turtle, offers you Gibson and Patterson for Jacobs and Drake. Yeah, I'd probably take that, and then i probably try to take it from you. To try to get Brian Robinson from you, but I know that you would make me overpay out the ass, so it probably wouldn't be worth it. So I guess you're right. I'll just keep. I'll just keep Jacobs and hope that he goes right. to a new team next year. All right, <laughs> Liam, if you're listening, you can acquire Josh Jacobs if you. <laughs> All right. Next pick was Jesse. He was very excited about this. Matt Corral fell to him. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time on that. He's got a path, just like Desmond Ritter, to play games this year. I think he plays games this year. I don't see Sam Darnold keeping the job. But yeah, uh, super flex. I think you, you like to see it. Uh, Corral with some late third round draft capital at the 330 in real life. Anything from you, Turtle, Corral? No, I, I like it because Jesse really severely needed another quarterback. I mean, he's running with... Um with Wilson, Zach Wilson, and Daniel Jones. So now him having Matt Corral, that's that's a nice little pickup for him. Yeah, he's got a pair of masks now. He's got old Matt Ryan, Wiener Crayon, and he's got Matt Corral. Oh, yeah, he's got – I forgot about Wiener Crayon that was on his team. That's pretty good then. He's all right. He's okay at quarterback then. Yeah, he went back-to-back. Back. Um, he picked up Alec Pierce. That was a, that was a high draft capital. That was a 221 overall real-life pick, um, the, the indie wide receiver Alec Pierce. A lot of target availability there uh, in that in that backfield. Corey went the next pick, Keontae Ingram. He must have been looking at, hey, you know, let me go grab um, the potential backup to James Conner out in Arizona. Keontae Ingram didn't have very high draft capital. Um, Keontae Ingram went at the 623. Um, so he probably leaps Eno Benjamin a little bit. Eno Benjamin was a, a seventh-round pick, but but it's dicey out there. That that might be a one-year backup, but um, potential if Connor goes down. And then Jay at the at the 3-5 grab Sam Howell must have seen some potential path there because Carson Wentz is going to be doing Carson Wentz things um, this year. And then this guy dropped. He was a high draft pick. This, this guy was the 11th 
Um, skill position player off the board, Wandale Robinson. He went at the 211 in real life, dropped all the way to the 3-6. And this fantasy draft uh, to Mike, I don't know, just kind of profiles as a gadget. To me, he's this year's 2-2 Atwell, super undersized, gadgety receiver. He goes to your New York football giants turtle. Maybe he catches uh, punts and, and kickoffs off the bat. Maybe they actually play him in the offense. He, he played a little running back in college. These past four players I touched on, Alec Pierce, Keontae Ingram, Sam Howell, Wondell Robinson, what do you think of those four? Yeah, the only one I want to touch on is Alec Pierce. I think that he has an immediate um, path to being the WR2 on Indianapolis. And, man, they have some big weapons on their team right now. Pittman is over 6'4". Now they got Pierce 6'4". They drafted the guy Jelani Woods, who's 6'7". They have some big targets on their team. So, yeah, Mo Alley Cox. Mo Alley, who's a big boy. So I, I, I like I kinda like what they're doing. They they they're the team that should have taken a, a, a Wandell Robinson type to switch it up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they got Harris Campbell still kind of kicking around the, the gym. I think they let him use the gym now and again. Um, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah. So who knows what's happening. Red zone is gonna be interesting, especially when you're down at the goal line. You got all these huge wide receivers and you got a running back in Jonathan Taylor, who you're going to want to hand it off to. And Matt Ryan, who doesn't like to throw the ball in kind of, you know, super contested situations. If he did, we would have seen Julio Jones get a whole lot more touchdowns down in the red zone. But now he's got four Julio Jones-sized targets to throw the ball to. It's going to be interesting what they do once the Colts get down there. Speaking of Jelani Woods, he was the next pick at 3-7, so you touched on him. Rookie tight end, we don't expect much, but he is a big, big body, so maybe immediate red zone impact. At 3-8, we went Khalil Shakir out of Buffalo. Potentially sneaky pick, Turtle. Khalil Shakir at the 308. Can easily take the Cole Beasley role. Yeah. Let's not let's not tell Corey that though. He profiles as a slot. You got Jamison Crowder ahead of him. You got potentially Isaiah McKenzie, McKenzie ahead of him. But Crowder's on a one-year deal. Shakir, pretty sneaky pick. Who knows what he does year one? But uh, yeah, like you said, he could he could go in there and be the slot guy for for a few years. Yeah, I don't see why not. Then you got uh, hey, I'm going to give this one to you, Zamir White. Driscoll took him. Uh, he knows that you got Jacobs and Drake, and and he says Zamir White. He's the RB one for Las Vegas. I'll, I'll let you onto the platform. Um, tell us what you think of of Zamir, who has had an ACL injury in both knees so far in his young career. Yeah, Zamir White's not going to see the field this year. (laughs) That's literally all I got to say about that. I mean, unless the craziest stuff happens and Jacob gets hurt or Drake gets hurt, which I guess is in the realm of possibility, I don't think Zamir White touches the field. So something weird's happening in Vegas because they went and took this Belichickian approach to running backs, which has let a lot of people touch the ball. Um, we don't pay running backs and they're going even further over there. I mean, they got like, they just picked up sincere McCormick too. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And let's not forget from pass catching. They, they have Brandon Bolden who we recruited with him from, uh, from new England. They have helped me here that he was playing with Carolina last year, pass catching back, um, out of Carolina when, um, Oh, uh, this makes for great podcasting. When when CMC went down, he was out there. But 
I, I'm blanking on his name, but there's two pass catching backs. Then you got Drake. Then you got Zamir White. Then you got Jacobs. Now you got Sincere McCarthy. I don't know what they're doing. Um, Maybe they know that Jacobs is going to want out before his contract's up and they're going to trade him somewhere. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. You think so? I don't think so, but, I mean, it's so weird what they're doing. So yeah. and nothing's in, nothing's out of the realm of possibility. Sure. Amir Abdullah. That's right. Uh, uh, Amir. Oh. They, I didn't even realize they picked up my boy Amir. Yep. And I'll throw in there, they got a fullback on the roster, too. Jacob Johnson, who is a former <laughs> Patriot, who was a, a fullback for the Pats. He followed McDaniels over there, too. And they employed a fullback in Las Vegas last year with Alec Ingold. So that's another RB roster spot that's likely going to be taken by a fullback So because he plays some special teams, lead blocking, etc. I don't know what the hell they're doing. You might be right. Zamir White might not see the field. I, you, I really you don't know, know. You know the craziest part, Matt, the craziest part about the whole situation is what has Josh Jacobs done to not prove that he deserves to take the full workload? Like, what has he done? The most games he's ever missed in a season was three. Like, I don't understand why they're, why they're starting to load up on these different running backs. It doesn't uh, make sense. I don't know. You're right. On the missed games, he does push through. He does play banged up a lot. He's got a little ankle thing. He's going to tape it up, and he's going to play through. He's a tough guy. Um, I don't know. Maybe they look at all the Knicks, and they say, hey, let's, let's take his touches down by 80 this year, and, and you know, let's bring in a bruiser to take some of the – Short yardage work away from him, but I, why would but why would they do that if they're not even going to re-sign him? Why wouldn't they just freaking send him out there and just and just get him as banged up as humanly possible until he has to go to another team? I don't get that thought process. Yeah, you got me stumped on that one. That's actually a really good alternative viewpoint. I I didn't think of it that way, but um, who knows? Maybe that's what we see. Maybe we just see him thrown to the wolves, chewed up with a Derrick Henry type workload. Or until you know the wheels fall off, and then and then they figure it out because they're like, this guy's not signing with us next year anyway. Very weird. It's a backfield. Personally, I, I can't figure out. But um, sometimes with ambiguity like that, there there's some there's some diamonds there. There's some value. Yeah, we'll get answers sooner than later. Speaking about ambiguity, New England wide receiver core Tyquan Thornton um, surprise pick of the draft. If Cole Strange wasn't. Strange enough, um, Tyquan Thornton goes at the 218 above guys like George Pickens, above Alec Pierce, above Sky Moore. Man, above Jalen Tilbert, in, in Bill Belichick, we trust. <laughs> but what the heck was this Tyquan Thornton pick? He's got blazing speed. I admit that. But but what is that? I mean, I don't know what's going on. I don't think Noah knows what's going on, but he saw a second-round real-life draft pick available at the 310. He took him. I don't know what you can expect from Tyquan Thornton year one. I'm guessing not a whole heck of a lot. I don't know. Maybe we're going to see. We're going to see because the it's not like the Patriots have 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 big name wide receivers. I mean, Jacoby Myers, I, I would argue, is their best wide receiver. Yeah, you got Greg Dulcich going at the three eleven uh, Denver, so he's over there with Albert O. I think he serves more to to cap Albert O than than have any standalone value at least year one or year two. And then we get uh, the second and last trade of the draft, the three twelve. I was trying from the pick three two all the way to this pick, and I finally made a deal with Noah where I traded a, a future second round pick, and and I received a future fourth, and I gave up my fifth round pick from this year and moved up to the 312 and i took Tyrion davis price aka the imp yeah the hand <laughs> of the king the hand of the queen 
Whatever reference you want to give to Tyrion Lannister, that's this guy right here, the imp, whatever you want to call him. But don't call it a comeback on the San Francisco third-round running back where Trey Sermon failed. Tyrion Davis will succeed. He is a big boy. And guess what? He is He's not elite fast, but for his size, he is fast. When you look at, um, you know, there's there's this um, metric you can do to weight adjust uh, running backs 40 times. And it's a scale of 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 one to I think 120. Um, you know where where like the 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 guys like Brees Hall and stuff are are up. You know in the 115s and whatnot. But Ty Davis Price, who who's a big boy, who's a tall boy, he ran a 448. And for a weight adjusted speed score, he he was over 100. He was 105. So. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll admit, like like it's it, no no sense disputing. Elijah Mitchell's a faster back. Raheem Mostert's a faster back, but we'll have to see how he fits into this system. Um, I think Elijah Moore has some durability concerns. Yeah, Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell. I think every running back there gave them a headache with durability concerns. Um, Jamichael Hasty wasn't available when they wanted him to be. Uh, Jeff Wilson wasn't available when they wanted him to be. Trey Sermon could could barely handle special teams, let alone the backfield work. I think they said, let's bring in a big guy who's durable. All these quick, you know, quick twitch, one cut, and they're down the field guys are getting hurt because once they get hit, they get hurt. Let's bring in a different molded RB and see where it goes. So do I have high expectations on Tyrion Davis Price? No, absolutely. I do not. They're not in the clouds. But the pick is a 312. I took him at 312. I mean, I took him over the likes of Jerome Ford, Tyler Beatty, Pierre Strong, Hassan Haskins. I mean, this is the guy who's got this late in the draft, a very clear path to playing time, who has the draft capital to back it up. Again, a trade up, a third round draft capital pick. He went above Brian Robinson. He went at the 329. Uh, Brian Robinson was actually past the 332, so a compensatory territory. This guy was a proper third round pick who they traded up for. When they when you look at the roster, they didn't need it. So they wanted this guy. That signals a lot to me. Again, similar to Robinson, similar to maybe John Mechie or some of these other guys we talked about. Redraft, you're not taking, but um, if he's a bottom-of-the-roster play, there's, there's few bottom-of-the-roster plays I want more who can turn, you know, 10 cents into 100 bucks than, Tyrion, than I think Tyrion Davis Price can. That's fair. I'll give you that one. So you've been you've been asking me, hey, what, what are you so interested in? Uh, saving a little bit for for that here, but but that's what I think of of Davis Price, and we'll see what the, what the imp returns. Yeah, if if everybody on the Twitter world doesn't start calling this guy the imp, I M P, there's going to be problems. Missed opportunity, man. I mean, how many guys do you know named Tyrion? Not a lot. That's not that's a lot. All right, so let's quickly go through these last rounds, and you're going to hear some names that are not rookies. That's because we have a rookies slash available players draft. We had Jerome Ford. This is 4-1 through 4-2. Jerome Ford, Tyler Beatty, Romeo Dubes, Adam Troutman, Pierre Strong, Hassan Haskins, Jalen Wertermeyer, Velas Jones, Isaiah Pacheco, Julio Jones, Calvin Austin, the, the fourth-round wide receiver out of, for Pitt, and uh, Ty Chandler, who has already been cut loose in our league uh, by Corey. So uh, that's the, the running back out of Minnesota. So round four, anyone want, you want to talk about in, in, that, uh, in that range, Turtle? To be honest with you, the more I watch Velas Jones, 
the more <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding. The more I started watching his highlight videos, the more similarities I've seen between him and Debo. And it's actually crazy. Go watch some of that guy's highlight videos. You'll be blown away. It's crazy. All right. He's so like the oldest. He's like the oldest wide receiver probably ever to be drafted. But yeah, he's, he's literally a savage. He's got the these. I'll tell you what. He's got the draft capital behind him. He went at the three oh seven. He was the first skill position player in the third round at the three oh seven. He went above such wide receivers as Jalen Tolbert, David Bell. Those were the other guys in the third round. Danny Gray, uh, third round pick. So he went above that. Now, whether you call Chicago a trash franchise or not, but, but I'll take you up on that. I've been in the, the Valus Jones is, is crazy pick territory, um, but we'll see. You know, Pierre Strong, I think great, was, was hopeful for him before the draft. He was on my eye um, for my pick at 3-1 where I ended up going Robinson uh, pre-draft. As soon as he went to the Patriots, I was out on him. Yep. Um, Haskins, um, who knows, is he the predecessor uh, is he the succession plan rather to to Henry, or is he now a nice high upside handcuff? I, I think he's a a, a good upside uh, handcuff there. But yeah, the the other the other guy that I wanted to just touch on real quick is uh, Pacheco because you know Pacheco, yeah. Pacheco. how could how could we possibly put our faith into Ceh? I think anything could happen in that backfield. Yeah, it's it's one where you got you, you got three dart throws. You got Ceh, you got Ronald Jones, and you got Pacheco. Any three could hit. The thing going against Pacheco is, I believe Ronald Jones was a second-round draft pick. CH was obviously a first. Pacheco was, what, a fifth, if I'm not mistaken? Um, he, was, he wasn't that high of a draft pick. So, it's, I'm sorry, he was a seventh. He was almost at the end of the draft. He, was, he went at the 730, 7.30. So wow, almost Mr. Relevant. Yeah, almost a UDFA. We'll see, but but hey, it's a lottery ticket in a very good backfield. I I I wouldn't plan on cashing that lottery ticket anytime soon, though. To be no, ready. no, 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 no. All right, fifth round, and then we'll get out of here. Danny Gray at the five one, uh, Justin Ross, Jerrion Ely, um, Zaquandre White, Sony Michelle, Bailey Zapp, Devin Duvernay, Dino Smith, Gardner Minshew, Carson Strong. Kyle Phillips and Jeremy Rucker. Turtle, you had four picks in this round. You kind of own this round with with Danny Gray, uh, Zaquandre White, uh, Devin Duvernay, who was out there as a wide receiver too on Baltimore, man, and then Geno Smith, who who could be a star. So you you might have some potential diamonds in the rough here. Anyone else you want to talk about in this fifth and final round of our rookie draft? Uh, the only other guy would probably be Justin Ross. You know. The guy has all of the uh, ability to be a very good player in the NFL. I think that the whole problem was that the team doctors are super worried about him. He was a liability, so nobody wanted to pick him up. But now that he has a landing spot, and it's a very good landing spot, I think the sky's the limit for him. I mean, I think Justin Ross could really come out on top, and that fifth-round draft draft capital is going to look real silly at some point. Yeah, fifth round draft capital, undrafted in real life. We'll have to see what happens yeah. there with, with Justin Ross. He's got to make a team first, uh, but hey, he's in a good situation tied to Patrick Mahomes now. If he can make a team and get get on the field and then stay on the field with the neck. Uh, but before we get out of here, Turtle, talk to me about um, who was a third round draft capital pick in real life, Danny Gray. And you've been doing some film watching on him. What do you see that intrigues you? Yeah, he's one of the faster 
prospects that I actually watched. He um he makes one move and he's gone. And it's one of the craziest things because you're just like, Oh man, this guy this guy's coming across the middle or he's going he's going up the side for a fly route and then he's just gone and he's making people miss. So I figured with all this Debo with all this Debo talk of him leaving, I was like, Maybe Danny Gray is the next guy up. They 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 wasted some gra- they they used some draft capital on him. It's worth trying to take a shot on somebody this far in, in our rookie draft. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for for the listeners um, now, and, and and for the listeners um, who are going to listen on other platforms, he obviously went at the beginning of our fifth. You know, you've heard the names of, of some of the guys we were talking about in the third and in the fourth. Do you think he should be pushing up draft boards um, into the into the fourth round, or maybe even to the latter part of the third round, or or do you think he's appropriately priced this this far down? No, I think he should be a fourth rounder. Maybe not a third. I mean, I mean, if you're really going to match the draft capital to the rookie drafts, then yeah, he should be a third. But I don't see an immediate role for him in the San Francisco 49ers offense unless Debo leaves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which we'll have to see how it plays out. Honestly, if they pay Debo, they might have a situation on their hands when it comes uh, Brandon Ayuk time. So then maybe Danny Gray moves up. Uh, if Ayuk has to walk because they've given Debo the Brinks truck instead. So we'll have to see how it plays out, but you heard it from Turtle. Move Danny Gray up modestly on your draft boards. Take him in the fourth over the likes of uh, Jalen Wertemeyer or one of those Pats uh, running backs who, who, you know, need a lot to happen before they see the field. Yeah, good call. All right, Turtle, anything else from your end before we get out of here? That is our five-round rookie draft breakdown. Um, and where things are going in in real, you know, high level knowledge um, fantasy leagues, at least from from our point of view. What do you what, what do you think? Any other news or, or topics you want to touch on? No, I think I'm good. I think that uh, that was a pretty good breakdown of just how our draft went. I think we we gave some pretty good insight, and uh, look forward to the next show that we do. All right, perfect. Thank you guys, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>